Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Boston Balling. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut. So big, big game tonight. The Red Sox um, come home for the ALCS against the Astros after two games in Houston. They managed to split those two games one-to-one, which is absolutely huge for them. Um, They have a lot of momentum coming back home, and now they get to play three games at home with a chance to win the series, to go to the World Series, which is super exciting, I think. All of us Red Sox fans can say that, you know, this is a pretty great feeling to be in this situation right now in the first place. And it's going to be just exciting to see how the rest of the series goes. So on that note, I'm very, very excited to introduce my guest that I have with me for this episode. He's very passionate about the Red Sox, just like me. Um, We follow each other on Twitter. We go back and forth about the team and um, definitely is super knowledgeable about the Red Sox and just loves baseball in general. So, Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Gabby? You, you said it perfectly. I mean, I don't think we could have written it up any better than this going into this season. Nobody expected this team to even be good, make the playoffs. And it's pretty incredible that they were able to get past the best team in the AAL, the Rays. And now they're going back one with the series tied 1-1 back to Boston. Couldn't have it better, any better than this. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I think where we're at right now is huge. I mean, because like you said, people did not expect this to happen. And this is a good Astros team that they're playing right now. And they it's a tough lineup to, to beat, really. I mean, the Astros lineup is tough. And, and they – They've, you know, they've been consistently good all season. We know that they're a good postseason team. They have the experience. And so they know what it's like to be in this type of situation. And so, you know, obviously the Astros were going into this series as heavy favorites. And that's, you know, that that is what it is. I mean, the Red Sox were underdogs against the Rays, too. So I think we just have to realize the Red Sox are going to be underdogs the whole way. And we'll just see how, how far it goes. But I think it's absolutely huge that they were able to take a game on the road. Because I said this on the last episode of my podcast, too. I said it's absolutely crucial. This was before the series started. I said it's absolutely crucial that they take a game in Houston. Because if they're looking at being down 0-2 going home, the chances get a lot slimmer. Especially sort of the momentum that they're going into this game with. I mean, they were the first team in postseason history to hit two grand slams in the first two innings. And we're able to win nine to five. I mean, it should have been a little bit more of a blowout if Darwinson Hernandez didn't allow those two home runs in the ninth inning. Uh, but you said it perfectly. I mean, I mean, the Houston Astros, other than the Rays, were the best offense in the American League throughout this season. And they've made five straight American League championship series. So they have a lot of experience in this position. But I mean, with Erod on the bump tonight, and then who knows who's going to go in game four. Uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how the offense comes out of the gate with them being so hot last game and how they're really able to support Erod in this one. Yeah, I mean, the offense it has just been awesome. I mean, we knew that, though, because we knew that they can hit, and we knew that that was going to be their biggest strength this season. But, you know, <laughs> J.D. hit that grand slam, and I was already pumped enough about that. But then you go into the second inning, and it happens again. And I said, wow, this team – find some way to surprise us every single game and do something that's really unique and really special. And that's something I really love about this team that not even just in the postseason, but just the season in general, they do random things like that hit back to back, you know, grand slams and back to back innings. And it's just crazy to me to think about how 
we get to watch this team every night and you never know what's going to happen, but they play with so much heart every game and they just find ways, creative ways like that to win games. Seriously. And we've seen two guys really come up huge and bring the energy and passion. And at the start of the season, we kind of expected those guys to like Alex Verdugo and Kike Hernandez. I mean, not only what Kike has done just offensively and defensively, you know, breaking records left and right, but you know, also him and Verdugo bring that energy, bring that passion every single game, like you mentioned. Uh, and it's something where Kike, uh, he's tied right now. He's the only other player other than Reggie Jackson to have 29 total bases uh, in the last four games. And it's really incredible what he's been able to do, the energy that he's able to bring each night. Uh, I'm really hoping he hits a home run and gets an RBI. I have that for a bet under DraftKings. So hopefully I can make some money off of that. But I actually had a friend, you'll find this funny. He's never bet in his life before. And he put um, $50 the last two games that Kike was going to get a hit. And he made, I think it was like $460 off of literally just 20, off of two $25 different bets. And I'm like, all right, I got to get on this. That's crazy. Yeah, that's really, really crazy. I mean, and that's one of the biggest things I will say about this team. There's just so much to be excited about and just so much to enjoy right now. And I mean, look at somebody like Kike Hernandez. I mean, they signed him in the offseason and that was so much of an underrated signing. I mean, I was excited to have Kike, but people were like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, that's cool. But nobody thought that he was going to be doing what he's doing now. And you look at somebody like that who, yeah, was he good with the Dodgers? I mean, yeah, he wasn't a bad player and he was good and he had his moments in the postseason last year and then on their World Series run, but he was not even close to doing what he's doing now. And at the beginning of the season when he was hitting leadoff and struggling, I just said, you know, wait till he comes out of his shell a little and he kind of starts to find his groove here. And ever since then, he's just been such a fantastic pickup. And Hunter Renfro, I mean, he's been relatively quiet in this postseason too. And so I keep saying to people, wait till Renfro gets hot again, because right now he's quiet enough and the rest of the offense is, is playing really well. So he doesn't really need to be productive at the moment, but wait until he starts to pick things up too. I mean, those two guys, I mean, it, it really is just a perfect example of how genius Bloom is. Kike Hernandez first two years, 14 million. I mean, you're paying this guy $7 million to go out there, hit 250, 20 home runs and be the best hitter in the postseason. Nobody expected that. Oh, and then Renfro, another incredible signing. I mean, it's one year, 3.1 million, but people forget just because he got non-tendered, he has, the Red Sox have him until 2024. And it's something where both of those guys were two of the most lethal people out in the outfield with throwing runners out and help them have the league leading 15 outfield assists. But it's something where I'm really excited to see Hunter Renfro just get a hold of one uh, in one of these games. I feel like it's really going to come up big. Uh, and he, he's another guy who really surprised a lot of people throughout this season. I mean, a lot of fans were really nervous about the signing when they first got him. You know, he would usually be like an Adam Dunn type where he had a very low average strikeout a lot, hit a lot of home runs. But it's something where when you look at what he did this year, hitting 260 with over 30 home runs and the Red Sox have him until 2024. I mean, that's why I always say on Twitter and Heim we trust. And if anybody has any questions about Heim Bloom and how he's running this team, just look at what's happened throughout this season and just stop. Just stop trying to nitpick. 
Exactly. And even the people who, I mean, I don't know about you, but that crowd that I saw at the trade deadline that was complaining that he didn't do enough at the trade deadline, because I definitely saw a fair amount of people like that on social media, that he didn't do enough at the trade deadline. He should have done more. And at first, it was frustrating because that seemed like, you know, they, they started not playing well after the trade deadline and they were going through that really cold streak, which it just, unfortunately, that was bad timing. That just was... Yeah. You know, that was just their tough stretch they went to, but at the time, went through, but at the time, it just appeared like, you know, maybe the team was losing confidence and there were these things going on and all these theories going through people's heads. But I mean, obviously, he did enough at the trade deadline because look at where they're at now in the ALCS. And you can look back and say, we still have all these prospects in the farm system that we didn't get rid of to get players at the trade deadline that may or may not help us win a World Series. Exactly. People were hoping to get Anthony Rizzo, Max Scherzer, and I was too. I, I mean, I, I think it was really interesting, like you said, when the Red Sox did have their bad streak, it, it was just bad timing. And it's something where when you look at compared to last year, the 60 games, that's why everybody always says, well, you got to play the whole 162. And going into that trade deadline, the Red Sox had the best record in the entire league, and they were surprising mm -hmm. everybody. And then August was pretty awful that, that, yeah, was, that, was, that was a really tough month to watch a but, bad month of baseball for us exactly and, and <laughs> but, you, but you brought up people were really harping on high bloom for not getting a first baseman replacement for bobby dalbeck saying they should just send him down to worcester and lo and behold dalbeck was the best hitter in all of baseball since from the trade deadline until the end of the season and then schwarber was the best player on the red sox lineup and then when you also look at the guys like austin davis who people when they got him like, who the hell is this guy? I was one of those people. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? But we got rid of Michael Chavis, and yeah. he's been a huge he's been a huge player out of the bullpen. Same with Hansel Robles. I mean, at the start of the season, it, he was really iffy, and, you know, I, I would get really nervous anytime they put him in. But he's been so good, especially at the end of the season and throughout these playoffs. And so you can't really say enough about what Bloom has done to not only build up this current roster, but also the farm system. Exactly. I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. And I mean, Kyle Schwarber, obviously defensively wasn't really as much of an addition because his defense hasn't been great. But we knew that when 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 they acquired him at the trade deadline, once he got healthy, I knew he was going to be able to contribute offensively. And he has done that. And he really did. He really was a positive asset to this lineup. And I think that's something that, you know, People need to remember, this is an all-star hitter, a 2021 all-star bat that was acquired at the trade deadline, and people kind of forgot about that because of his injury or just cho chose not to think about that or thought that he wasn't going to come back and still be able to do what he was doing prior to the injury. But, I mean, what he's done, I mean, he really boosted this lineup. There were situations when you saw him make the get the big hit, and he'd come up and he'd be the guy that would do it, and that's – when I was like, yeah, this is why he's here. You know what I mean? He's not here for his defense. He's here for his bat because we all know that his defense isn't great. He's he's here because he was a boost to the lineup at the trade deadline. And, I mean, Hansel Robles, he overall has been pretty good as well. He's been overall pretty solid. And, obviously, he's had his moments where he hasn't. This entire bullpen right. is like that. But, I mean, overall, you know – he's up there as one of the guys I trust more than some of the other ones right now, which sounds kind of crazy. And I thought I wouldn't say that after the first few times he pitched, but you know, if they're in a close game right now, I think he is one of the guys they can use in a higher leverage situation as of right now. Yeah, I completely agree. It was, it was something where you brought it up with the Schwarber 
trade. I mean, he was injured right before they did trade for him. And people forget, I mean, he hit 20 home runs within the first two or three months. And I, I, I can't remember the exact stat, but I mean, he was one of only a few players who have ever done that in history. And it's been documented that he is a huge reason why Bobby Dalbeck had a lot more uh, conservative approach at the plate. And really, like you said, he changed the entire lineup. This Red Sox lineup was mostly known for chasing a lot of pitches, striking out a lot. And anytime he goes up, it's pretty funny because he knows that uh, strike zone so well. And most of the time when you see it on Nesson, it's a little bit outside the zone. And you just see him look back at the umpire like, that's not a strike. And as fans, we're like, Kyle knows. Like, Kyle literally knows exactly the strike zone. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a huge reason why other hitters in the Red Sox lineup are doing that as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that for sure. One one thing to me that I find really interesting about kind of, you know, this this team and the makeup of this team right now is that there's just a lot of chemistry with the team that you don't see in a lot of other teams. There's not really a lot of, you know, bigger personalities that just want to make it about them. You have genuinely guys that just care about the team overall and just want to win games together. And that's what I think is really special about them. And on paper, are the Red Sox the best team remaining in the playoffs? Absolutely not. Like not even close. I mean, on paper, this team should have been nowhere near the ALCS this year anyway, but do they have something special in terms of chemistry? And like you mentioned before, Alex Cora, a manager that's very good at managing in the postseason and can pull the right the right um, plugs at the right time and can make the moves he needs to at the right times. A lot of times that's more what you need in the postseason as opposed to just being the most talented team on paper. And stacking up against Houston, you know, going into the series, people are like, okay, the Astros should pretty easily be able to win this series. You know, but there's – the Red Sox have something that a lot of other teams don't have. They 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 go really well together and they really care about each other and they care about the team as a whole and they want to win games and they want to prove people wrong. And that's what a lot of what it takes in October, having momentum and having that desire and heart to want to win games. And the Red Sox play with heart like a lot of other teams don't. And I mean, again, it's, is it going to be a challenge? For sure. It's supposed to be, but right. – you know, I think if they can take at least two of three at home, then that's going to be huge for them going back to Houston. If they can go back to Houston being ahead in the series, then I think they have a good chance. Oh, I completely agree. And I, I find it funny when I when I talk to people who aren't Red Sox fans, they ask me, well, do you think the Red Sox are actually going to beat the Astros? And if the Red Sox make it to the World Series, do you think they'll actually beat the Dodgers or the Braves? And I say to them, well, I thought to myself, when we went into the Rays series, yeah. do I think that Rays are actually going to beat the Rays? Same no, thing. No. And it's something where this team has been surprising this entire season. And you brought it up with the chemistry, with the passion, with the swagger that they have. At the start of this season, you really saw it during spring training. And I, I said it right before the season started. This this team reminds me so much of the 2013 team. Just the aurora of the, just the closeness, the passion. And as I said before, this swagger that they have. And we saw it really during any time, you know, guys would get on base. They would do the wave thing. And since the, the Yankees kind of took that, now they just do the check mark. Yeah. And then also like the home run cart. And now it's dancing on my own. And, you know, we saw that video uh, of all the guys celebrating after the ALDS, you know, Kike Hernandez, like, uh, singing the song, but I mean, that's all due to guys like Kevin Pluecki. And I, I really think it's incredible 
the guys like Ploiecki, the guys like Kike, Verdugo, uh, as well as Christian Arroyo, who Heim Bloom brought on, are really one of the biggest reasons why this team is so close. Yeah, I, I def, def, definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying here. I think you brought up, bring up some really good points. Um, and there are certain personalities here that just make it work. And that's the important thing. And, you know, what I will say heading into tonight, I mean, this is actually a question I wanted to ask you too, was, you know, Erod, as we know, has not been super consistent this year. I mean, I like to give him the benefit of the doubt, or at least I tried to for a while just because of everything that he kind of went through. And he just had a rough go of things the last couple of years. But, you know, you don't feel super confident with Erod on the mound. And I mean, he looked really good in his last start against the Rays in game four of the ALDS. That was what we needed from him, but you don't feel confident. You know, you don't feel confident with him now, I'd say, because it's, it's hard to know what you're going to get from him. Exactly. You never know what version of Erod you're going to get. And I actually went to that uh, Rays game uh, during the clincher. And like I said, it was incredible uh, going through the whole celebration, seeing it all unfold. Uh, but going into that game, I was really nervous to see what version of Erod we would see. And I remember looking at my friend and saying, it's, it's the fifth inning and he's actually doing really good. And just he last game he pitched five innings, three hits, three earned runs, six strikeouts. And I looked at his stats against the Astros so far this season, and over two games, he has eleven fifty-seven ERA, allowed thirteen hits and nine strikeouts. And so that that made me really nervous looking at those stats before tonight. Uh, but I really I mean, think with it is Erod, concerning. yeah, it is very concerning. And but <laughs> I think with Erod, it's all about the atmosphere. It's all about the environment for him. And you could really see, at least at the game that I was at, he was getting pumped up. He was getting zoned in. He, he could feel the crowd. He could feel the energy. And I think that Fenway crowd is going to be huge for him tonight. And it has to be something in the back of his mind always. Is this potentially the last start that I ever have with the Red Sox or at Fenway? And so I need to do everything I can to prove to Heim Bloom and the Red Sox that they should re-sign me next year. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's something that people have been saying for a while, because earlier on in the season, when everyone was like, OK, we're getting down to the to the it's getting down to the wire here. We don't know if the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs or not. Could this towards the end of the regular season? Could this be Erod's last start in a Red Sox uniform? And that question is going to remain for as long as they continue in the 2021 playoffs. So you have to really wonder if he really wants to make a good mark and make a good impression and be like, I want to be here. He, it, There's a lot of pressure on him to have a really solid start pretty much every time going forward. And, you know, in game one, game one, I, I even think back to, you know, that Rays series and, you know, you go into game one and it's like, okay, well, the Rays won a hundred games and they were a really good team. They won this division in what was, pretty much the best division in baseball. I, I actually will say they were, were the best division in baseball with oh, yeah. four teams that won over 90 games and could have been mm -hmm. playoff teams. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, the Rays probably are the better team, but we'll see what happens. You know, then you go in, you lose five, nothing. And that's disappointing. And then like, you know, you see, you really see what he has at that point it's like okay well you know I didn't really expect much anyway so then like you go into game four and it's like okay well he's pitching so what do we think of this because this is a game where they can close out the series 
or they lose and they're forced to go back to Tampa for a do or die game five. And I wasn't feeling confident, but he gave us what he needed to. And, you know, the, we know the home crowd is going to be electric. They were fantastic during the ALDS and it's going to be an electric Boston crowd again now. So we know that that's going to be a thing. So does he use that energy to fuel his performance tonight? That is what it's going to come down to. Cause we know that the offense is going to do their job. They're going to hit, they don't, and I mean, you know, the Astros have your quitty going, but pitching. Have, um, I don't even really know how to pronounce his name. I've already pronounced it differently. <laughs> um, but he, um, he's he's hittable. He's he's a hittable pitcher that they should be able to hit. So I trust that the offense can do their job. But I'm looking at it as how deep can can Erod go into the game for one and two. What version of him is going to come out? And I think that's going to set the tone early. And we're going to know pretty early into the game, I think, what version of him is coming. And if he's getting tossed around early in the game, then I am going to be a little bit concerned. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's exactly what happened in game one. Yeah. Like you mentioned he, he only pitched uh, an inning and two-thirds. But a lot of people also forget. I, I think he only let up one or two hits. But the main thing was is that his control was all over the place. And he just did not look like, you know, consistently good Erod that, that we're used to. And uh, like you said, I, I think that the atmosphere is going to be a huge thing for him tonight. The offense is – they're already going to do their job, in my opinion, at least fingers crossed. Uh, but my biggest concern – I'm going to knock on wood so I don't jinx myself – is that, you know, he only pitches two or three innings and Pavetta has to come out because I want Pavetta in there in game four. And that's something that really kind of, you know, hurt the Red Sox in the ALDS is that they had to put Pavetta um, in way too often – and he wasn't able to pitch that game four in the mm -hmm. ALDS. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how your Riddy does or your Quiddy. I was going to say the same thing. I don't know how to say his last name, but I say your Quiddy, to be honest with you. I don't think, I don't know if that's right, but that's just how I say it. <laughs> I think so. Uh, but he has yet to pitch in the postseason in 2021, which is really interesting. So I, I have a feeling that that Red Sox um, or that Fenway atmosphere is really going to affect him. But it, this also made me nervous as well. Against the Red Sox in 2021, he only had one start, pitched six innings, three hits, one earned run, one walk, and nine strikeouts. So that also made me really nervous as well, looking at that before before this game. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really hoping that with that momentum that the Sox had uh, from last game, I think that offense is going to hit him around. I think Fenway is going to tool with his mental state. And, you know, if Erod can give the Red Sox a solid four innings, and maybe how goes out pitches two, and then you know the rest of the bullpen goes in. Uh, I think that's the perfect scenario for the Sox. Yeah, you know, I think I, you know, I agree, completely, completely agree on the atmosphere. I think this your quitty, you know, he's like you said, he doesn't have the postseason experience, and he's coming into a stadium that rocks during the postseason this is a, a stadium that's absolutely electric during the postseason and it's just very very different from pitching in a regular season game and I think the Red Sox now are very much different than they were when they played the Astros during the regular season they just were not first of all they weren't really the same team and second of all they just didn't have as much momentum now they're in postseason mode and now they're in the mode where they're like we can do this and we can hit these guys and we can make things happen and you know obviously those stats are concerning for sure because that's if you, you look at that and it's like oh wow maybe they'll struggle again against him right. at the end of the day 
this Red Sox team in the postseason does not give up. And I think Alex Cora very, very much thinks through to a T a lot of the decisions that he's making when it comes to managing his pitchers in the playoffs. And I think, you know, he knows he trusts his offense because, I mean, the offense they will hit. And I hope that, you know, obviously we hope that he has a completely different performance this year. Quiddy has a completely different performance than he did last time. You have to hope that. But, you know, on the other side of that, our pitching has to be fantastic because the Astros lineup is another one that can break out at any time and be very, very lethal, which we've seen multiple times this year. And even, I mean, even the last game, like, yeah, was it exciting that they hit grand slams in back-to-back innings in the first Mm -hmm. and second inning? I mean, I was, I was pumped. I was so happy. And they only scored one run the rest of the game, which obviously was fine because they had scored enough before, but then, you know, they kind of started to let the Astros get back in it when they scored those three runs against Evaldi. I was like, uh oh, I was like, I don't know. I don't know how confident I am all of a sudden anymore. And then, you know, Darwinson Hernandez gives up those two home runs in the ninth. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they, they win the game still because they scored enough runs, but it's nine to five as opposed to nine, nothing. Right. So that is a little concerning, but I still think Cora really knows how to manage his bullpen better than I'd say a lot of other managers do. I think he knows when it's time for somebody to be pulled. And I think, by this point in the postseason, he's done enough experimenting with his pitchers to know who can be pitch, pitching in high leverage situations and who can't be. For example, I don't think we're going to see Darwinson Hernandez no. in a one-run game in this playoffs anymore. At least I hope not. I mean, I mean, that was the situation he needed to be in. They had a six-run lead, right. so the chances of him giving up six runs were slim. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people also forget as well, Alex Cora was the bench coach of 2017. Yeah. And he, even though, you know, Correa, Altuve, and a lot of those guys who he was on that same team with are different players now, he kind of knows their weaknesses and strengths. And I really think that, especially with the bullpen, um, I, I'm a little bit nervous with how you know, this pitching is really going to go against this Astros offense, especially at Fenway, because I remember a lot of the home runs or a lot of the big hits that's yet that the Astros got were to left field. And, you know, it's a lot shorter. It's a lot shorter fence, but a lot bigger fence uh, with the green monster in left field. And so we could potentially see balls that, you know, would be home runs in Houston be doubles. But, you know, you could also see a lot of home runs in the Astros offense taking advantage of that short fence in left field. Uh, And it's going to be really interesting, like you said, how he really maneuvers through that bullpen. Something I really hope that the Astros don't do this game like they did last game is if you're quitting, essentially, you know, lets up tons of runs in the first two innings. I really hope that they don't do what they did last game where they essentially, I, this is just conspiracy. I think that they faked the Luis Garcia injury. And they put Odorizzi in to Section 10 brought it up today. And and they uh, lengthened um, Odorizzi's, you know, warm-up times. And Avaldi essentially had to stay in the dugout for 40 minutes. And I really hope that they don't play stupid games like that again. And because we, we know that Avaldi has a lot better mental game than Erod does. And so that could be potentially a trick that they try to play once again if the Red Sox do come up big in the first few innings against your quitty. 
But it, it really is going to be interesting how both teams really maneuver their bullpens, especially like you got to remember this. This is game three. And with these next few games ending in the series, bullpen's huge in the boat in the postseason. So the, the Red Sox are going to want to really try and limit guys that they bring out there. Yeah, it's it's really a matter of where are they at in the game? If they're if they have a lot of runs on the board and the chances of them blowing that lead are slim. I'm not going to say impossible because this anything's possible with this bullpen as we've very much seen. But if it's if the chances are very very slim that they will lose that game at that point if it's late in the game and they're up by a lot of runs, then you can pitch pitchers like, you know, Darwinson Hernandez or like, I mean, I would even throw Salamora in that category at this point, yeah. because I don't think he's equipped for high leverage situations right now either. Um, he would be in that category. I mean, you know, some of them are borderline, like, you know, out of Vino, you don't really know what out of Vino is going to come out there either. But overall, I, I would put him a little bit higher on the list mm -hmm. than some of the guys. Cause you know, I mean, at least we know kind of like, that he's had experience in the postseason before. And I mean, even though he's not always super sharp, he gets the job done more often than not. So I still would put him above some of them. I mean, Hansel Robles is up there. Obviously Garrett Whitlock. I trust him more than anybody in the bullpen right now. Um, right. If you were in a high leverage situation, you know, and you're up by a run and the Astros have a runner on base. He's the guy I would want to see in the game. No, no, no chance I'd want to see anybody else. Austin Davis. This one here is interesting. Um, he's another one here that's been interesting for me too. Cause you know, when he was first acquired um, by the Red Sox, I was like, okay, like you said, you were like, who even is this person? <laughs> I was like, okay, like let's just let's just see how he does. This is an interesting pickup. Maybe Heim sees something that we don't. And you know, he's had good starts, he's had bad starts or starts. He's had good appearances and bad appearances, but you know, I think I'd put him like middle of the pack because he's not really horrendously bad either. I'd, I'd say for him, he's probably like middle of the pack, you know? So th this bullpen's very, I think Cora probably has his ranking in his head too of who he's putting in where, but then there's also the option of using his starters out of the bullpen Mm -hmm. on days that they're not starting the game. Like even tonight, if Erod doesn't go that far into the game, the possibility of, of using somebody like, you know, Chris Sale or Nathan Avaldi for an inning, I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. Definitely not. Uh, uh, Corey actually announced this afternoon that Avaldi will be in the bullpen and he will be available to pitch one inning. And I, I think that could definitely be a possibility and it could be a great, sort of bridge to where, you know, if Erod's not doing what we really want, uh, you know, you put Avaldi in there to kind of get out of that inning, you know, pitch one more inning and then how comes in potentially or something like that. And it's really interesting because anytime I do watch Red Sox games with my friends, especially if they're up big, they're like, oh, it's over. Like this thing is so over. And I go, no, first of all, knock on wood. I'm very, I'm a very superstitious person when it comes to the Red Sox because you never know what's going to happen with this team. As I always say, this team, the game is never over until it's oh, three yeah. outs in the ninth, ninth inning. Like never. this team is blown so, never. I mean. Absolutely never over until the last out is made. I go right back to that Rays game. I think they were up like seven to two. And then it ultimately was like 11 to 10 game. That was the game where Verdugo allowed 
a inside the park grand slam to Nelson Cruz. Oh gosh, that was awful. We're on to better days, luckily. We're on to better days. <laughs> that but, was uh, terrible. Yeah, that was awful. But I look yeah. back at games like that and I'm like, imagine where they would have been at. Like if there were so many games that I look back on that I'm like, they could have easily won those games that like, it's just so frustrating. Obviously they don't matter now, which is good, but that's mm-hmm. just, but they're good examples to bring up in this situation though, because mm-hmm. it just further proves the point that this team could be up six runs going into the ninth inning. And I still wouldn't be like, okay, it's, it's a hundred percent over, you know? I actually was just about to say Garrett, Garrett Richards could go in, but I forgot that he's also out too. But like Matt Barnes, like I, f- I forget. I was going to bring that up too. Roster? Like, I, I was going to bring that that up too. The fact that he's not on the ALCS roster and Darwinson Hernandez was asked to replace him on the roster. That is very interesting. But like both guys are just so weird. And Matt both- Barnes is somebody I'd say if he was on the roster though, I still feel like I'd trust him more than the, probably the guys I listed at the bottom, like the Salamoras and, and, you know, Darwinson Hernandez is those types of people. Matt Barnes, I still trust more than them because he has experience. And I feel like experience is key in a lot of those types of situations. And I mean, I don't think Matt, Matt Barnes is a closer, but I think he could be a good bridge guy in a playoff game. Like right now, if you need somebody to come in in the seventh or eighth inning, I pr- would prefer to see Matt Barnes over some of them. But I mean, I think Josh Taylor is good. I think he's vastly improved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like him. He'd be more kind of one of the ones I'd say that's more towards the top if I'm in my yeah. little bullpen rankings that I have going on here. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, you know, it really does suck that Matt Barnes isn't that closer that, you know, we signed that two-year extension to. I mean, he, he was an all-star and he was incredible for, for the first half. And then, you know, it, it, it was just a downward spiral in the second half, really tough to watch. Uh, but I agree. I, I'm pretty surprised that Darwinson is on the ALC, ALCS roster instead of him. I get it, but like it's kind of surprising. But I think with the Red Sox having, you know, around $77 million to spend this offseason, that's going to be their number one priority and also just bolstering up the pitching as well. Um, another guy that I want to bring up as well is Christian Arroyo. It's something where I love the guy, I'm always rooting for him. One thing is I understand he was on the IL with COVID and then he also was, or he was injured before and then he got COVID. So he was out for like three or four weeks. Yeah. The poor guy. And it's just, it's really tough for me not to think that the Red Sox should get a second baseman upgrade next year. As much as I love the guy, it's just really tough to see what he's doing in the playoffs right now. He just really hasn't been getting it done, especially compared to what Jose Iglesias was doing. That's what um, I was just going to say. That's what I was just going to say was, you know, that's one of the situations where I feel like I really wish that Iglesias could play in the postseason because what he was doing to end the season was so good. And it's just such a bummer, the circumstances and that he wasn't here in time. So he couldn't qualify for the postseason. Yeah, it it really does suck. And um, it's going to be interesting how the Red Sox really maneuver this, especially with Jeter Downs, you know, having a very disappointing season in AAA this past year. Nick York is around three to four years away. And maybe maybe they'll get a bridge guy. Who knows? But Kike needs to stay in center field. Anybody that says that Kike should be at second base, I don't know if you've watched what he does out in center field and the throws that he makes out there. No, he's like – He's not really anywhere – like he, there's flashes of JBJ, like JBJ's in his own category, obviously him and Kevin Kiermaier. But I mean, Kike Hernandez, you can't ask enough from him. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, out there, that outfield is something that a lot of people thought was going to be a concern this year. Because, I mean, you know, you got rid of that outfield of JBJ, Mookie, and Benintendi, and none of them all of a sudden are here anymore. But, I mean, Renfro's arm, too. I mean, come on. I mean, how did Bloom do that? I mean, this is this is pretty cool, you know? And then, I mean, Verdugo's been pretty good out there, too. He's made some fantastic plays out there this year, too. So, you know, I think that's a pretty solid outfield considering all of the circumstances and everybody that was giving them crap for getting rid of those outfielders. Because the difference with these outfielders is that, you know, JB, I love JBJ. I mean, I'm a big JBJ fan, but the guy really could not hit that well. But you look at Renfro and Kike and Verdugo and they can actually hit. You know yeah. what I mean? So that just makes a difference, I'd say, too. And that's that's been a big thing. And, I mean, you look at somebody like Ben Benintendi, but I adored him, and he was a huge part of the 2018 World Series, but he was going downhill after that, and he really has not been great since then. So that's not I, – I think I do see kind of an upgrade where we're at now when you look at Ben Benintendi and where he was at. Oh, 1,000%. Anybody that is still upset about that Benintendi trade, just wait five years and watch and wait for those other four guys that the Red Sox got other than Franchi Cordero. If you're just assessing that Benintendi trade off of Franchi Cordero, like you, you've never seen like those big trades where those 18-year-olds become like superstars like in four years or something like that. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but might as well as just wait to see. But I, I really do think it, it's going to be interesting to see what Bloom does to make those upgrades in the offseason. And, you know, the only reason I believe that he knew Renfro was as good is because the Rays had him when he was there. And now that two-year sort of rule or pact where uh, Bloom wasn't able to get anybody from the Rays, that's over. And so, you know, he could start cherry-picking guys from the Rays this offseason. That could be a very real possibility. And, you know, we could see more of these very underrated moves over these next few years become huge helpers for the Red Sox. Yeah, for sure. And you look at all those guys in the farm system now, which they pretty much had nobody down there. Um, and look what Heim's done to improve the farm system and create a team that's now in the ALCS that was not even supposed to be anywhere close to a playoff team to start the season. And it's just so it just says a lot about what he's done since he's been here. And so a lot of those people that were hating on him before the season started, even into the season and even past the trade deadline, like we talked about, have been pretty quiet this entire playoff run for good reason. I mean, they were dead wrong when it came to just what Bloom could do for this team. And he managed to not get rid of a lot of those top prospects, any of them. He didn't get rid of any of them. And here they are in the ALCS could go to the world series. I think tonight's game is going to be a huge momentum thing. I think whoever takes tonight's game is, this is going to be huge. Cause I think the momentum is going to be in their favor the rest of the series, whoever wins tonight. Um, so I think that this, this is going to be a huge game, but if we can lock up this game at home in front of the home crowd, especially with Erod pitching, mm-hmm. fingers crossed, if we can win this game with Erod pitching at home, I think that's going to be huge for the rest of the series. I think that this is the type of team that really, really feeds off of momentum and really feeds off of energy. And I think that they need that home crowd to really help them out with that. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that we could see tonight be like a seven to five, seven to four game. Uh, I, I just see, 
the Astros finding a way to get a few runs early, uh, and, then, and then the offense keeps that momentum from last game. But I, I think that I, I'm crossing my fingers that it goes to game five and I can go to game five and see another clincher. I mean, that's obviously the best case scenario. Um, yeah, that means they would have just won all three at home. Which right. Would be nice. I mean, I, that's that's the best case scenario. But I, I honestly don't think it's realistic. I, I honestly see this ending either game six, game seven. Uh, but I, I, I would I would I would. I have to say the Red Sox. I mean, they just have all the momentum going for them. And especially with those three games at Fenway, I think it's going to be huge for them, at least just getting a lead in that series against the Astros. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously I would never, I can't not say the Red Sox. Um, I, I'm confident in my own team. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd say probably like six. I'm feeling like Red Sox win the series in six games. Yeah, I completely agree. And it, it would be just a huge slap in the face for anybody that doubted this team. And I, I made a prediction at the start of this season that the Red Sox were going to be the most surprising team in baseball. I I can't say that they were. I have to say the Giants. Just the Giants were definitely super surprising. Very surprising. Um, if I said one of the most surprising teams in baseball, I, I would have been right. But I also feel like, let's say they do win the World Series. I, I, I think also my prediction has a little bit of truth to it because they ultimately were hoisting the trophy at the end of the season. And I, I really do think it is going to be interesting if they do make it to the World Series. Let's say it is the Braves. You're getting a huge break with not going against the Dodgers because when you look at that Dodgers squad, it's honestly filled with all these all-stars. You could even call it an all-star team. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting how that series unfolds as well. Uh, but I, I think these huge three games at home is going to be the main reason why the Red Sox ultimately win this series. Yeah, I, I for sure think that too. And I really like our chances a lot better against the Braves than I would the Dodgers. So I'm really pulling for the Braves to win this series, which right now so far is looking good because they have a 2-0 series lead. But again, mm -hmm. after what happened last year, it's hard for me to really feel confident in Atlanta right now. So, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that series too. Um, but you know, I'm super excited. I think this is going to be fantastic. Um, I really appreciate you joining me on the show for this Red Sox Ooh. Astros, um, pregame show, whatever we want to call it live, um, you know, game preview thing. Um, and, um, yeah, so I know, you know, everyone has a, uh, baseball game that they want to, uh, watch because you know it's some random game i heard some it's not really that big of a deal but it's uh i, I think some random baseball game that's on tonight that people and might the, want to I think watch. there's also some football on too but who really cares about that game <laughs> yeah right you know really but um again like everybody definitely follow him on social media check out his work um he's definitely done a lot of baseball content um multiple on multiple platforms and everything and um so it's super knowledgeable about baseball and I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I'm, I hope you did too. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on Gabby and continue the awesome episodes, pumping them out. And uh, I'm really excited to see your reactions on Twitter uh, for the Red Sox game tonight. <laughs> you know, I will be, you know, I will be too, but um, yeah. So Everyone, thanks so much again for tuning in constantly. I know I say this every time, but it's just, I, I really, really appreciate everybody's support. It really means a lot to me. And I hope you all have a great rest of your night and that you enjoy the Red Sox hopefully winning this game. 
against Houston. And I hope you all have a great night. Happy Monday, I guess. <laughs> yeah, happy Monday, guys. Have a good one.